0: And I want to invite you to turn back to Galatians chapter 6, where we're going to continue our study this morning in what I'm titling Lean on Me, part 2. Last Sunday, in in the bulletin, you'll you'll notice the eight life-giving principles that we introduced so that we can thrive in our love and care for one another and so that we can be somebody in Christ to lean on. We covered the first three life-giving principles and we're going to cover two more today. Principle number one, challenge us to keep in step with the Spirit. Paul says if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. We learn that Paul used a military term. That means to be drawn up in a line or to stand in a row as he encourages us to be careful not to fall out of rank. Keeping in step with the Spirit allows us to stay in step with the true biblical gospel. And it reminds us that our works do not contribute towards our justification and that we have this need for God's ongoing supply of grace. Keeping in step with the Spirit keeps us grounded in Christ's righteousness. And it reminds us of the liberation that is ours in the gospel. Amen? Paul expressed it, For you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Care groups are to be a place where we can gather to keep in step with the Spirit and celebrate our freedom in the gospel and our righteousness that is rooted in Jesus Christ. Well, we serve one another in love. What will this require? Genuine humility. We covered this in principle number two. Let us walk in genuine humility. Verse 26 provided an important admonition. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. We learn that our conduct to others is determined by our opinion of ourselves. If we have a high or lofty view of ourselves, we might be tempted to think that serving others is beneath us. Pride gives an impression that we have all of life figured out. We got the answers, right? Everyone else gets to reap what they sow. And those who struggle may find it very difficult to relate to us. Genuine humility we ministers through the lens of grace and faith as we looked at Romans 12.3. Humility keeps us grounded, reminding us of our need for Christ by not thinking too highly, Of ourselves, but to think so that we have think as so to have sober judgment. Humility also helps us find our adequacy in Christ as we seek to love and serve each other. We spent the bulk of our time on the third life-giving principle, so that we thrive in our love and care for one another. Let us gently restore those overtaken by sin, and we learn that dealing with sin is one of the most challenging things that we have to face. As, as a believer, it is. It's not easy. And so we, we must look to God's plan um, as it relates to this task. And it's important, as we shared last week, because it impacts the unity, the fellowship, and the purity of the church. We also learned that most of the misgivings that take place when sin is addressed is due to a misapplication of Galatians six one, and so that's why we looked at it in detail. Everyone in the church is called to help others in their battle against sin, and we learn that this takes preparation. Those who are spiritual refers to those who are keeping in step with the Spirit, and those who are walking in genuine humility. They are the ones who are going to be qualified and be prepared to address the sins and sin patterns of other believers. This must be done with gentleness, as if we were handling a broken bone or removing the speck out of somebody's eye. It can't be done rashly. We used David as our, our example and illustration last week, our optometrist, who um, I was going to have him take the contact lens out of my eye, and we, we saw the need for extreme gentleness and sensitivity as we do something like this. And that remains true. The work of restoration should be done with sensitivity and gentleness, with no hint of self-righteous superiority. And this doesn't happen naturally. We said it is a supernatural work of the Lord to be restored gently by someone in love when we're caught up in sin. And so that's just a quick snapshot of what we talked about last week, an overview. If you're joining us for the first time today, or weren't here for last week, you can go back and and listen on our website to each of those life-giving principles in full detail. Well, we are going to press forward, and I'm going to begin by reading our passage and praying, and then we'll get to principle number four. Starting in Galatians 5.25, God's word says this, If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he'll have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone, and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load. Verse 6. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time... We will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Let's pray and ask God to bless our study. Father, we humble ourselves before you. We ask that we could again be challenged by your word. May we continue to see both the exhortations and the admonitions that are found within. Allow them to shine brightly in the areas where our hearts are still dark and influenced by sin. Use your divine scalpel to perform spiritual surgery upon every soul that believes. And let us not simply seek to know the truth, but allow us to be radically transformed by it so that we can grow in our walks with you. We ask this for your glory, and then in the precious name of your Son. Amen. Amen. Well, our passage does give us eight life-giving principles so that we thrive in our love and care for one another, and so that we can be someone in Christ to lean on. Principle number four is next On our list, you see it listed right before you? Let us bear each other's burdens. We affirmed last Sunday that the church of Jesus Christ is not a charitable organization like the Red Cross or the Rotary Club that might focus on the physical needs of people. The church is God's family of born-again brothers and sisters supernaturally knit together by the Holy Spirit in a common fellowship of mutual edification and love. And there is a focus on spiritual needs and relief, not just physical. And it's with this in mind that the Holy Spirit led Paul to exhort and command believers to bear one another, one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. The immediate context of verse 2 refers us back to the preceding verse and conveys the idea of spiritually prepared believers Bearing with and helping to restore those who have fallen into sin. But burden bearing shouldn't be restricted to this situation alone. The word for burden, it's the Greek word baros, literally means a heavy weight or a stone someone is required to carry for a long distance. Figuratively, it came to mean any oppressive ordeal or hardship that was difficult to bear like in Matthew ten twelve, where Jesus spoke with the workers in the vineyard who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. All Christians have burdens. We do. And they come in different shapes. They come in all different sizes. And they even come in different types. And I want to look at our burdens from two different angles. First, our burdens through the lens of temptation and sin. And then secondly, our burdens through the lens of trials and testing. Here in Galatians 6, 1 and 2, we've already noted that the context is connected to spiritual restoration of a sinning brother or sister. So it's fitting that we first view our burdens through the lens of temptation and sin. The implication is that within the church, we're going to have discipleship relationships where we can see and speak into each other's lives. And by way of introduction last week, I said no one can bear your burdens if you don't share your burdens. And this involves relationships. It involves us opening up our lives. How does this happen? How do we move towards sharing our sin burdens with those the Lord has called us to lean upon. As we grow in relationships, in our care groups, the goal is spiritual intimacy. Intimacy can be defined as close familiarity or friendship or closeness. And a good memory key that I've shared in past messages, and one that we should not lose sight of, is in to me. In-to-me-see. It's a direct invitation to your heart. It is you willingly, and this takes a lot of vulnerability. It takes a lot of humility. But it's you opening up and letting people look into what takes place into your heart. That is what spiritual intimacy allows. And yes, this includes the sins and sensitive areas of your life. Yes, it requires vulnerability and humility. And yes, this can take some time to cultivate. But God's will is for you to share your sin burdens with him, as prescribed in 1 John 1.9, and also with others as commanded in James 5.16. So what are some ways that we can help each other share our sin burdens? One specific way is to ask good probing questions. And I put these, or I had a publishing team put these in the bottom of your outline. So you didn't have to scramble or put them up on the screen and then just saving time. You got them all right there. And I want to read through these With you, if I can. What was the greatest temptation you faced since the last time we met? Since last Sunday, let me ask you that question. What was the greatest temptation that you faced during the week? Think about it. Did you yield to that temptation? Number two, do you believe there are any ways that you haven't walked in a manner worthy of the gospel, and are you willing to share? Are there any sins in your personal or business life that are weighing you down? What entertainment or media choices have you been exposed to, and do you feel like you've honored the Lord with your choices? What about the Internet? Are you walking in victory or defeat when it comes to sexual lust? How did you influence your marriage and family this week? Where did you struggle? How might the Lord have you improve? Did you pray for me? Did you pray for us this week? Are there any ways that you've been trusting in yourself instead of the Lord? What lives did you influence for Christ this week? What temptations and sins are weighing on your heart and potentially turning into patterns? You see what those questions do? You see how they, 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 they humble us? They, they, they soften us, right? We need to ask good questions that challenge the heart and encourage us to cultivate spiritual intimacy by confessing sin and revealing the burdens of sin why because whether you'll admit it or not or whether you know it or not the impact of sin is weighing you down right i had a great conversation with a with a couple who who said you know that they were excited about uh care group and and uh, being able to share their dirty laundry <laughs> why because carrying that around is burdensome right just imagine having two full suitcases of, of dirty laundry, right? And you ever, you know, come home to visit family or you're coming for a long weekend and if you've got kids, then that means like you have like 19 suitcases that you try to pack in your minivan. And, and, and you come in and you're, you're carrying stuff. And if you hang on to it for too long, what happens? Man, your neck, your shoulders, right? And, and there's stress, physical stress on the body, Well, that is an excellent picture for us as it relates to the spiritual sin and the impact that it is having on the heart. It's weighing you down. And oh, when you set those suitcases down, finally, when you set that load down, there's that that breath, that relief. And that is what will happen when you are asked spiritually probing questions and you allow your heart to respond. You get to set it down. Oh, care groups are a place for us to set it all down. Don't carry it by yourself. Don't carry it needlessly. Next, let us look at our burdens through the lens of trials and testing. And this basically covers any burden that we might face beyond sin burdens. And again, no Christian is exempt. Why? Creation itself is broken. And it's groaning. And it's waiting for the final deliverance that is only going to come when our Redeemer returns. Just as Romans 8 shares. But until that day... We are called to persevere and understand that our faith will get tested. And the list of trials and circumstances that God can use to test our faith knows no limits. And we get that. We do. And the Lord has given us instruction, so we know how to respond. Very familiar passage. James 1 reminds us to embrace our trials Knowing that our testing of our faith is going to do what? It's going to produce endurance. And let endurance have its result. Right? And what is that going to be? It's going to be maturation and growth. Yeah, it actually says uh, perfect and complete, but a, a better translation is mature and complete. God is going to do a work that is completing the process that he started with you at salvation through the series of trials and tests that he brings into your life and it is going it 's growing you it's growing me so with that said, how do we bear or help carry each other 's burdens first with god's help secondly with the help of others? God is the great Burden bearer. Psalm 68:19. And if you don't have this one underlined in your Bible, you need to highlight and underline this verse. Psalm 68:19 says, Blessed be the Lord who daily bears our burdens, the God who is our salvation. Amen. Amen. Let's close in prayer. No, honestly, that's a sermon right there, right? It's right there for us. What a great verse and an encouraging reminder. This is for us the greatest burden and consequence from sin that we have ever known was born for us as believers. The eternal debt and weight of judgment has been lifted by Jesus Christ. And this points us back to principle number one. Let us keep in step with the Spirit, right? Let us keep in step with always going back to that righteousness that is not of ourselves, but is rooted in Christ. This is the gospel. This is Jesus Christ, who is the infinite burden bearer. And we know, those of us who are born again, who have had our hearts changed, know the day, or the time, or the season of life where we fell on our face because the weight of our sin, God did such a work in our heart and in our thinking that we felt the extreme weight of our sin and we cried out to Him. We we were led to cry out to Him in forgiveness and repentance. And we repented of our unbelief. We turned and trust completely in the Lord Jesus Christ and the work that He performed, the righteous death and atonement the substitutionary penal atonement that Jesus Christ provided for us as our substitute in paying the penalty. We trusted in Him. And what did God do? What did He do for us? He, he lifted that burden. And our hearts changed. And oh dear friend, if you're someone here today who has yet to experience that, you are going to continue to be disappointed in this life, by divine design. You're going to continue to deal with the weight of your sin and your consequences. And you need a sin bearer. You need the great sin bearer, the Lord Jesus Christ, to set you free from the bondage of your sin, to have it lifted off your shoulders so that you can breathe, so that you can live. He will resurrect you. He will give you new life. He will help you understand the purpose of your life and give you a clear direction. And we can carry each other's burdens by regularly pointing each other back to the God who is our salvation. Amen? Not only has he saved us, but he continues to bear our burdens with us daily. And though the penalty of our sin has been lifted or paid for, as believers, the presence and consequence of sin remains. And thus, Paul will mention the principle of sowing and reaping in just a few more verses. But for now, we carry other believers' burdens by bringing them to the promises of the great burden bearer. Psalm fifty-five twenty-two, a favorite verse of many, says, Cast your burden upon the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. That's beautiful, isn't it? But what's it involve? Casting your care on the Lord, right? And when we don't, can our lives be shaken? Can they be shaken up pretty good? They can. He can chastise us and he can discipline us and remind us of our dependency that is on him. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7 reminds us that when we humble ourselves, and again, this points us back to principle number two, all this this passage is, is in continuity. It is all connected together. When we walk in genuine humility, this will lead to casting all your burdens and worries on him because he cares for you. Not only does God care and bear our burdens, but he places other believers in our lives to care and bear our burdens as well. It's a provision from him. What does this look like practically? John Piper summarizes it this way. Bear each other's burdens. Specifically, take on the trouble of helping people realize their sin and get it repaired. If it seems easy for you to help a person bear the burden of sickness or unemployment or loss of a loved one or loneliness or rejection, but too hard for you to bear the burden of confronting a person because of sin, meditate on this thought. And this is so good. A sinful attitude or a sinful habit is much more harmful to a person than any of those other burdens. Therefore, if we really care about a person's ultimate welfare, we will confront them with their sin as well as comfort them in their troubles. Wouldn't it be great to belong to a family of believers who loved each other so much that they simply could not look the other way while a brother or sister hardens into a habit of sin? And then he says, let's be that family. And if we are not, we do not fulfill the law of Christ. And all God's people said amen, right? Let's be that family. And I rejoice that in many ways we are making great strides as a church. We are. We are. God is is turning us into that family. And allow me to share some key application points before we move on. I already shared that a person cannot bear your burden if you don't share your burden. You can talk out loud. Okay, here we go. Uh, a person cannot bear your burden if you don't share your burden. Okay, it's true. And so let us progress toward sharing our burdens more regularly. How good are you at sharing your burdens Or do you keep them to yourself and bypass the very help that the Lord provides? Those are good questions. Here's another key point of application. You cannot bear a burden if you don't care for the burden. First of all, if you don't share it, another person can't bear it. But then as it relates to the person who gets that burden uh, shared with them, the burden bearer, you can't bear if you don't care. Right? And again, this is pointing back to the fulfillment of the law of Christ. This This is grounded and rooted in love for our fellow brothers and sisters. Here's a very practical suggestion for everyone in care group, and some of you already do this, but... Perhaps there are a few that don't. Bring a notebook to care group every week, along with your Bible. Bring it consistently. and, And write down and update the burdens and prayer requests that those in your small group share. Bearing a burden is more than just praying for that burden one time. We understand that. Right? And that's not to discount praying for that burden that night in care group as it got shared for the very first time. But is that all that God has as it relates to walking with and carrying a burden with somebody? That, 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 that's, the, that's the initial step, and it's a good step. I'm not discounting a very important one. But we need to keep track of the progress being made. And seek additional ways to carry the weight of the burden by walking with them in the process. And you say, well, how do I do that? Again, this is all tied together. These principles are going to reinforce how we can bear each other's burdens. But there is something that can get in the way. And this leads us to the fifth principle. Let us beware of self-reliance and pride. Look at verses 3 through 5 again. Paul writes, For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regards to himself alone, and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load. Here Paul Let's you and I have a little insight into the myth of self sufficiency. And what he's trying to share is that it's not a mark of righteousness. You know, I'm mature, I, I can handle everything on my own. Actually, an indication that you're not so mature in Christ. You, as, as we mature, and I, I was humbled by this uh, in a great way. Recently, just as um, my heart was dealing with circumstances and and the weight and um, thought, Oh, I got this. I can can do this on my own. And and the Lord was like, Oh, really? Really? It wasn't long before I was having a conversation with the elders and appealing to them. And I'm forever grateful for how they shepherded my heart through the struggles. And it's actually not over. I just shared the burden and now they're carrying it. With me. So blessed by that. So blessed by that. Maybe you don't think you need others to bear your burdens. Or you're reluctant to share them. Maybe you don't think you need to be in a care group. Or have any spiritual accountability. One commentator wrote, Paul's maxim in verse 3 is aimed at this perverted understanding of self. If a man thinks he is somebody, he is deceiving himself, for that very thought proves that he is nobody. Such an attitude of conceited self-importance leads to two fundamental failures in relationship. One, the refusal to bear the burdens of others, for that would be a task too menial and deprecating for a person who thinks he is something. The other, the refusal to allow anyone else to help shoulder one's burdens, since that would be an admission of weakness and need. To live this way, however, is to practice the art of self-deception, for no man is an island entirely to himself. End quote. Uh, that, that was a humbling quote for me to read in my study. And bearing each other's burdens is God's design for every believer in this life. His design isn't only for those who are weak. His design is for every believer because we are what? All weak. We are. We're weak and we're needy, whether our hearts dare admit it or not. And God can and will break us of our pride, and by His design, there will come a point when our burdens will be more than we can bear. Allow me to share an illustration. In 1876, the British government passed the Merchant Shipping Act. This law required each ship to bear a mark on its bow to indicate when a vessel had received the maximum amount of cargo permitted for a safe voyage. If that mark fell below the waterline, the ship was required to unload enough cargo to bring the mark up to the water level. Cargo ships today... Use this concept. And I found a picture. I'm going to pull it up. And you may have just thought this your whole life, like I did, is just they always have 2 tone boats and they just uh, are cargo ships and that's just the way they're designed. Well, you can see the, the, the mark, right, where the red and the blue meet, right? And this marking was called the Plimpsel mark, named after the British reformer who was instrumental in, in passing this law so the plimsoll mark is right at that point where the red and the blue meet and if that ship kept getting loaded with too much the indication and the danger of that ship sinking deeper and deeper into water it would be fully recognized once it once you could no longer see red And that makes sense, right? We see that picture. Well, God has placed a plimsoll mark on each of us. And we're sometimes tempted to question God's ability to read our plimsoll mark. But he is faithful to keep us floating, even when we feel like the ship is going down. The truth is that God is, intentionally, and purposely gives us more than we can handle, and unless we allow Him and allow others to bear our burdens, that is when our spiritual plimsoll mark will feel like it's underwater, and that it is submerged with the pressures of this world. Those who have been in my office, you know the sign that hangs above my desk, which says, God doesn't give us what we can handle. God helps us handle what we are given. He does. And he does so to keep us humbly dependent upon him. He does so to keep us humbly dependent upon other believers. And pride and self-reliance pose great threats to being someone to lean on. Well, initially, Verses 4 and 5 may appear like Paul is advocating boasting, but I assure you that he is not. These verses must be understood in the context of the the letter and even this chapter. And if you look down at verses 12 through 15 of chapter 6, you'll see what Paul affirms. Those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh try to compel you to be circumcised simply so that they will not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves, but they desire to have you circumcised so that they may boast in your flesh. But may it never be that I would boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. And again, this is the greater theme of Galatians who they, they were distorting the gospel and allowing fleshly works to be something to boast in. And this was predominantly the Judaizers who were self righteously clinging to circumcision. And if you don't know what circumcision is, then you can ask Huey after the service. So he'll give you the full breakdown. In all seriousness, this ties. Into all of the vital principles that we have seen thus far in our passage together. The Galatians needed to keep in step with the Spirit. They needed to be reminded of the righteousness that was imputed to their account, and so do we. They needed to walk in genuine humility, and so do we. They needed to be gently restored when they were in sin, and so do we. They needed to bear one another's burdens. And we need to do likewise. And as we've just seen, they needed to beware of self-reliance and pride. And so do we. Paul's main point is that we cannot and should not boast by comparing ourselves to others. And there's only one standard of righteousness that we can boast about. John MacArthur says, God does not grade on the curve, but by his own absolutes. He does not compare believers to each other but to his divine perfect standards of righteousness. And if the Lord does not judge a believer by comparing him with other believers, how much less should a believer judge himself in that way? End quote. It's good to good to hear that. And the Apostle Paul, in Second Corinthians chapter ten, he has this whole section in Second Corinthians ten, twelve through eighteen, where he he talks about you know uh, commending ourselves and boasting and he he infamously arrives to uh, the, the quote of Jeremiah 924 but he who boasts is to boast in right the lord very familiar to us well pride always tempts us to draw comparisons and to boast in ourselves. And therefore Paul included verse 5. Which says for each one will bear his own load. At first glance you might just think. Well did Paul just contradict himself? Because just a few verses later. Or earlier in verse 2 he said to carry each other's burdens. And now we get here to verse 5. And he said that, he says that each one should carry his own load. Well Paul uses two Different Greek terms to refer to two distinct situations. And the word translated burdens in verse 2, we already learned, refers to a heavy load or an oppressive weight which one is expected to carry for a long distance. But the Greek word for load in verse 5, fortion, which is used elsewhere to refer to a ship's cargo in Acts 27, how ironic or a soldier's knapsack, or a pilgrim's backpack. And so there's an individual element with this load. So the first one, we could say there's a community element of bearing burdens and the load. And now there's this individual element. And here's how John Stott delineates the difference between the the two loads in Galatians 6. And you guys will notice, when somebody can say it much more succinctly than I can, I quote them. I hope you appreciate that. Yeah, because... He says, so we we are to bear one another's burdens, which are too heavy for a man to bear alone. But there is one burden that we cannot share. Indeed, do not need to because it is a pack light enough for every man to carry himself. And that is our responsibility to God on the day of judgment. On that day, you cannot carry my pack and I cannot carry yours, end quote. In other words, Paul's reminding the Galatian believers that each man is going to give his account to God. He says that directly in Romans 14.12. We aren't going to be able to boast in another person or in circumcision or some other work of righteousness. We're not going to be able to boast in ourselves for each one will bear his own load. Now I was trying to think real hard of an illustration and I couldn't think of one. And then... Lord bless me, it was probably as a result of somebody praying for me this morning. Think about it from from this way, versus loads we're responsible for, versus loads that we share. You ready? Everyone has a mass to their body. right? And you have a responsibility to carry that load, each and every day, as you pick up your cross daily and walk with the Lord. But Sometimes we have to carry things, right, as a result, spiritually and physically, and those things are are added to us, and that's the picture. Those are the things that we can actually actually give to somebody else, or they can help us carry those things. I was actually going to bring in a couple of dumbbells, and Dylan, I thought of you, Dylan Gardner, I was like, because he's a strong guy, and he's done some work for us here at the church. And I was going to have him come up, and, and I was going to have you hang on to some dumbbells and then check in with you so you could just see what the, and do a physical illustration. So, just so you know, I spared you from that. But, <laughs> but, but that's a good picture, right? Because um, you, you, would, you would be able to pass that off. And that's the, the distinction that needs to be made here. Paul is emphasizing both a community aspect and an individual aspect in this passage. Believers are to support and help one another with the burdens and cares of this life that they can share, while at the same time they must recognize that they will stand alone before God on the day of judgment and will not be judged in relation to what others have done, but what they themselves have done. And to God be the glory. Amen? As I thought about application... For this fifth and final principle, a few thoughts came to mind. They're pretty direct. Number one, am I in a care group? Or have I signed up for one? Pride and self-reliance will deceive you and encourage you that you don't need others. It will. But the scriptures say otherwise, dear friend. And I beg you, I beg you, Don't bear your burdens alone. God will bring you to a place where they'll become too much for you to bear. He knows your plimsoll mark. We all need somebody to lean on. We do. Number two, if I'm in a care group, how is my self reliance and pride impeding my progress in cultivating deeper relationships? Am I truly transparent when it comes to temptation and sin or trials or testing in my life? And how might the Lord use my care group to humble me and help me see my prideful tendencies? Good question. Good consideration that I hope that you'll take with you. And even as we prepare our hearts and care groups are just meeting mostly for fellowship as they start up, but that we would actually spend some time before the Lord and say, okay, God, me and you, you've led me to this group of people, okay? What burdens do I need to share? What, what sin burdens do I need to share with this group? What trials do I have or ha- am I currently in or have I gone through in the past that I'm going to need this group of people to bear that load with me? Think about it. Allow you to be prepared versus being taken by surprise. Again, we all need somebody to lean on. Well, next Sunday, we'll finish this series and cover the final three life-giving principles so that we thrive in our love and care for each other and so that we can be somebody in Christ to lean on. Pray with me. Gracious Father, You are so merciful to us, and your word offers us vital instruction for our Christian lives. It's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. And Lord, so oftentimes we don't see the very hand that is there to help us. We can be blinded by sin. We can be blinded by pride. And as a result, we carry additional weights that you wouldn't have us carry by ourselves, that you do provide help, and we miss it. And Father, my prayer is for our church family that we would miss it no more, that you would, in your grace and goodness, even allow the relationships and these newly formed care groups to come to a place where we can truly bear one another's burdens in in the greatest measure. And Lord, I know it'll take time, and it won't happen overnight. But with your help, we can keep making those steps, and we can keep making progress. And that's all you ask for. And every step allows us to reflect glory to your name for your kindness, for your mercy, and for your love for each of us. Help us, Father, to lay down our burdens. Help us to find someone to lean on. And we thank you for always being the God of our salvation who is there for us daily, bearing our burdens. We give you thanks and praise for this study. We look forward to seeing how you're going to use it to bless our church family. Pray that you'll bless second hour now and encourage our hearts with our fellowship. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.